Oh, you hear that, man? Sounds like the bird of salesmanship. Gotta be. The rarest, sweetest of all the birds. They call him Jonathan Livingston Selgull. And he takes it sexy when he whirs it to you. Oh, that bird of salesmanship, man. That Selgull. Get on his back and... Let's fly off to a place where I sell you shit. That's right, man. We got a horse of merchandise here. Sometimes we got to pay the bills. Pay the bills at Smodco. Uh, Hollywood Babylon is a show that you could see live, man. Uh, and it's been down all month long because uh, Ralph took a mini vacay. That's stuff uh, to vacay. He's, he's got to enjoy his life, too. Get off his goddamn large balls. On the show, he'll tell you, man, he's got massive fucking balls. And I've seen them. They're real fucking knee shooters. Uh, you can see Hollywood Babylon live. We're coming back with a vengeance in August. Coming hard, man, all over the walls and whatnot. Bring in one of those black lights. You'll be able to see it everywhere. August 4th, Hollywood Babylon with me and Ralph Garman at the John Lovitz Podcast Theater. Tickets at csmod.com or babylonkev.com. Uh, August 11th, the very next week, we're going to be at the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano, man. Me and Ralph Garman doing Hollywood Babylon. Tickets once again, babylonkev.com. Week after that, we're back at the John Lovitz Podcast Theater, August 18th. That show's 10 o'clock at the John Lovitz Podcast Theater. Tickets at seasbot.com. And August 25th, man, we wrap up the month of August with my Ottawa debut. That's right, never done a show in Ottawa, in Canada, and I'm bringing up Ralph Garman. The Garmy's coming with me, for heaven's sakes. August 25th at the Centerpoint Theater, right there in Ottawa, Ontario. Tickets, once again, at BabylonKev.com or CSMOD.com. But what if you're like, hey, man, Ralph Garman's one thing. I, I'm, and God bless him and his big balls, but well, I, well, I want to see another show. I want to see you with you uh, with Scott Mosier. I want to see you uh, with Jason Mews. Well, don't worry. There are shows for you as well. August 17th, Portland, Oregon. Me and Mo, Smodcast, live in front of people at the Aladdin Theater, August uh, 17th, 8 p.m. Go check those uh, tickets out at csmod.com as well. August 23rd, I'm going to be doing Solo Mish uh, up on stage in Orlando at the Orange County Convention Center, part of Star Wars Celebration 6, an evening with Kevin Smith, mostly going to be probably Star Wars oriented and whatnot. It's going to be a fun time. August 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Orange County Convention Center, Chapin Theater. Tickets at csmod.com. Very next day, I'm shooting up to Toronto. T-Dot, baby. T-Dot Toronto, Toronto, Ontario. August 24th for Fan Expo Canada. Me and Muse are going to be doing Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. You can get tickets there for that at csmod.com. I'll lead you to another website. But uh, use csmod as your portal to get most of these tickets. Um, and don't forget, hey, Boston, way ahead in the fall, October 13th, I'm going to be coming out to you, man, to Wilbur Theater, an evening with Kevin Smith. Uh, it's kind of like a live version of a Reddit Ask Me Anything. Uh, October 13th, uh, 9.45 show, what a bizarre show time, uh, right there on Tremont Street in Boston, uh, evening with Kevin Smith at the Wilbur Theater. So October 13th, mark your calendar, you can go pick up tickets now if you want. Shy of that, what else can I point you toward? Uh, Hulu Spoilers, brand new episode of Spoilers this week uh, where we talk about the Dark Knight tragedy uh, in Colorado. 
So you can peep that out uh, Monday morning. Uh, it's, as always, brand new episode of Spoilers uh, only on Hulu. And that's about it, man. That's I'm done whoring. Now I'm going to pop off and let you listen to uh, the dulcet tunes of one of our many Smodco artists as they uh, just tickle your ear pussy to orgasmic delight. It's Jack Morrissey and Matthew Cohen. <laughs> Matthew Alexander Cohen. It's like Jewish royalty. Just like Eric Alexander Odom. Oh shit. Maybe we're related. Um, he, he doesn't look like a Jew. Team Jack number 40. Can you believe it, sir? I who can't believe who it. Thunk it? It's Team ridiculous. Jack number 40. Title who, <laughs> Who's Yolen? Who's Yolen? Where has he been? London. Really? Yes, oh. recording the score for Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2 at the historic Abbey Road Studios. I didn't know he was a musician. Dark Side of the Moon and every Beatles album was recorded. I didn't know he was even a musician. He's Bill Condon's assistant, Young so Gregory. he has to sit there and... Is that it? Bill's there for the entire... Uh, Absolutely. Sound recording? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, totally. Composer Carter Burwell on the historic stages where all six Star Wars stores, uh, Star Wars scores were recorded. Superman the movie, I think, was recorded there. Most of the Harry Potter scores were recorded there. All the Lord of the Rings scores were recorded there. Uh, the new James Bond installment, Skyfall, score uh, being composed as we speak by composer Thomas Newman, is recording literally right after uh, Carter Burwell and... Twilight cleared the stages. I wish you would have said composer Thomas Noonan, because that man's a jack of all trades. I wouldn't put it past him. You know he's Tom written, Noonan, the actor. Yeah, you know Francis he, Dollarhide. Do you know he's written? Uh, I think it was ninety-six unproduced screenplays. He said in a recent interview. Is that true? Yeah, I'd fucking slip my wrist. Wow. After seventy-two, I haven't seen him since I think Last Action Hero. Uh, Synecdoche, New York. Schenectady. Whatever the fucking title is. Um, House of the... I can say it, but I can't spell it. I, I don't want to see it again. Too many C's. House of the Damned or the Devil, the one that was supposed to be an 80s throwback horror movie. Yeah. Kind of cultish. He was in that. He was one of the bad guys. Yeah, people love that movie. It's not the main... Yeah, people like a lot of movies. Yeah, people yeah. like a lot of movies. They do. <laughs> people like Mr. Wrong with uh, Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Pullman. People do like it. Not many people. Not, but. not me. But, you know, that's, every movie is someone's favorite movie. Right. Do you believe? Do you subscribe to that? Yeah. And that's just a sad indictment of the world. Well, yeah, but then, some movies are like Jungle to Jungle with Tim Allen. I'm moving the chair so I can actually look at Go Cohen. It. It's we'll too converse. weird to be looking sideways <laughs> at each other. Have we ever done Speaking a of solo? Speaking of movies that people love, have we ever done a solo episode? 
Well, we're not really solo. Whoa. It's not really hot solo action, as they call it in gay porn. Hey, uh, have we ever done a, two, two of us. a twosome, as, as it were? No. But it's a crazy um, territory, man. It's, um, and we were going to have uh, novelist Christopher Rice on today's episode, but then he had insomnia last night and bailed. He'll probably be on... He Christian bailed. He'll probably be on episode 41. And I could tell him the story where uh, my mom bought my father. Time to vamp, Cohen, because that's the front door. Yeah, my it's mom. It's going to be one of those crazy episodes. All right. Hopefully, literally, you'll be able to hear me answer Who's the, at the front, front door. door? Probably Is it UP, Marlon? UPS or FedEx. Oh, please let it be Marlon Wayne's. He's entertaining. So uh, I'll wait till Jack gets back if you probably want to hear this. I just want to give some shout outs to uh, some people out there in, in, in Team Jack land. Um, Jack, his team, uh, Greg Yolen in London, the Greg, the London version of Greg Yolen, the American version of Greg Yolen, um, the microphones. I'm just vamping, folks. This is pretty much. You want to hear some beat poetry? All right. I am a bird trapped in a cage, trying to free my wings. Okay, Jack's back. Uh, so my mom bought my dad Ayo. Christopher Race's debut novel. My mom bought uh, just a for the density of souls, I believe, and my father yep. made it. I think twenty five pages before being completely homophobically fucking freaked out and and really couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I believe there was a gay vampire sex. Am uh, I off on no, that? there are no vampires. Is, there gay, is, is there a gay, gay sex scene though? Yeah, older when Cohen couldn't take it, but uh, <laughs> that's my Christopher Rice story. I hear you. Well, you can share that. I you will. Can repeat that if you want to. I will. To him. Yeah, you mean on, he's uh, not. Episode he's not, 41. He's not listening to episode 40? Well, he might listen to episode 40. Who knows? He's, he's listened to a number of them, I think. Avid listeners? Um, I thought, anyway, once he bailed, Christian bailed this morning. Um, we should have that guy on. Who's that? The pool guy. Have him on. Let's find his story out. <laughs> What's his deal? Well, I don't think he speaks English. Even better. I speak. I speak Spanish. Yeah. So, um, well, now you're forcing me down that road. Anyway, like so many people in Southern California and probably Northern California, but definitely Southern California. Um, yes, we have a swimming pool. In fact, if you literally use Google Maps to view most suburban neighborhoods from the air, you'll find that so many of those. Uh, vast acres and acres and acres of tracked houses all have uh, little swimming pools behind them. Um, Almost, are, I'd say like a good 70% of homes built in... In, in Southern California, yeah, that's absolutely. sort of part of the, the regional thing. Um, we've got one, and last Friday I had, I with uh, Chris McDaniel and uh, Eric Odom had my very first self-contained underwater breathing apparatus certification instruction the pool day and the remnants are on your kitchen table yeah there is a, a, <laughs> a dry wetsuit laying across the dining room table but uh the result one consequence of having training day on friday which is usually day, usually the day the pool gets cleaned is um we now have like a big old if you look down we have a big old algae bloom growing in the pool oh, right now that good yeah, so that's I, funny because I, for the first time ever, noted how good your pool looked today to you. Well, that's so I funny. said the pool looks particularly good. I well, look have, how green it is, I'm dude. Up. Maybe that's what I liked about it. It looked yeah, all tropical no, or something. No, it should be blue. It should it not be different. green. There should not be sea monkeys growing in the pool. So how, uh, how and other scuba, high class how problems in a, in a recession. Was it your economy. first time? 
Um, yeah. Did you did you like it? I did. What's interesting about the scuba experience so far is um, former podcast guest Steve Henges was telling me about his own scudipus, scuba scudipus. His scudipus. <laughs> it's the Sid and Marty Croft show. <laughs> his own scuba certification as we were driving from here over to Yolan's apartment to record the last episode that Henges was on, okay. guested on, right? So he's just telling me, and his birthday's coming up, and he's going to go wreck diving in San Diego for the occasion. And we start talking about scuba, and as people who have listened to this podcast before listen to episodes with Henges and I know, uh, Steve and I have known each other since the early 90s. We met in New York City uh, on a train, and Steve is one of those like super clip, super tight guys who tells you what you need to know and doesn't really tell you seven words beyond what you need to know and told me everything I needed to hear about scuba, scuba certification, told me he had a trainer that he liked uh, who would offer private lessons so you didn't sort of have to participate in a giant group experience that was moving at a giant group pace. So he hooked me up with a trainer who is uh, Shane Spring and um, Shane Shout uh, out. has started the cer- certification process with Eric Odom, Chris McDaniel, and uh, another girl whose first name is Gabby, who is not from our group, was from another group, and the other group bailed, and she was the sole survivor, and we call her Lava Girl, as the rest of us were Shark, shark boys. boys. Exactly. Um, so, day one was good. It was literally, as Eric put it, I think in a tweet, um, learning to breathe underwater. It's fucked up. I only did it... Um uh, maybe when I was 13, we went to Hawaii for uh, on vacation. And at the hotel I got, I don't, I couldn't, I know I had to have been certified to go in the ocean, right? Uh, not necessarily. It depends on what you were breathing through. Okay. Through. Well, I, we did a training thing in the pool first, which was okay. And then we went like into the ocean, which was incredible. Right. But uh, I, there, I saw an eel and it kind of scarred me from the ocean for life. Right. But before that, we were like swimming with tortoises and shit. It was amazing. Right. And like Maui, you like off the reef and stuff. Right. But then the problem was I started uh, hyperventilating and I used up all my fucking air. Right. And they had to tow me in on like a jet ski. Right. From like the middle of the ocean. That's a horrific fucking feeling. And yeah, I would I'm never sure go is. again. Being dragged as bait. Not that part. Like Kevin Costner behind the trimaran in Waterworld. The the getting nervous, knowing you're using too much breath and not be, and trying to go and like me, yeah. it's fucked up. It's it's yeah. unnerving. No, it's really it. You have to zen yourself out underwater, and when shit goes down, whether it's you know um, your boy, you go your buoyancy gets fucked up, and suddenly you're literally on the bottom of the pool like a turtle with your arms and legs looking up at the sun coming down through the water, or uh, your mask starts to flood, um, or you can't. You're, you know, you're learning for the first time to cough into a regulator, or as we were told by Shane, um, you know, if something happens and you know you feel like you have to puke, just puke through the regulator. It'll just the regulator will just blow the puke out, and you'll find if you're if you're puking through a regulator in open water. The fish will just come up and eat it right in front of your face. <laughs> it almost sounds like a trick to get fish to come to you. The funny thing, I'd, I'm sure it has not a little to do with the fact that uh, you and I are both now Angelinos. We both live in uh, Los Angeles Angela. in Southern California. Yeah. It's a 
having started the process of certification, it's interesting, and obviously talking about it conversationally in my life with people that um, I'm having dinner with or running into, it's interesting how many people are also certified who you would never know. I had a call from a, a reporter this morning um, who was sniffing around on a little info and certified. You just happened to broach that conversation. Was he sniffing around on scuba info? Um, no, she was sniffing around on a movie business story, but it was like um, she'd seen the photographs on my Facebook wall of Odom, <laughs> myself, and Chris McDaniel all in our X-Men style battle suits awesome. getting ready to go in the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we talked a little bit about it, but it is interesting how many people are how many people are scuba certified out here and yet they don't bring it up, I think, in part because once certified, they don't do a whole lot of scuba diving. I think a lot of people get certified to go one time or two times. That's probably true. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I roped um, Eric and Chris into it just to have uh, more people. And obviously, there's always uh, Steve Henges, but just to have more people available to have a social diving experience with. So are you are you planning on doing it regularly or just seeing how it goes? Well, again, so we have to... Uh, we have another. We have a second pool day because we can, um, and then I think we've got two open water days. One of them in Redondo Beach, uh, which is one of the southernmost so-called beach town here, south of LAX, south of LA International Airport. Um, and then we have an, another day. We have another day out at Catalina Island, which is due west of Los Angeles. Um, and that's your certification in Casino Harbor. And then by the end of that, I think there's one more final exam, which is sort of, you know, utilizes a pen and paper. But then, yeah, you're just, you're certified. And then where's, where's the ultimate dream scuba spot? There isn't one for me. No? No. It has a little to, my interest in this, it sprung from Steve talking about it on the car ride, actually back from Yolan's place. I was like, that sounds interesting. I want to do it. He told me how it would go down in three minutes or less. Once I heard that there was a private trainer that you could hire for not a lot of money um, to just make things go smoothly no, yeah. and also basically to like get you through the boring aspect of scuba certification, which is the the book and test taking part, which my concern, my, cons my concern was would feel not a little like online traffic school um, here in LA County. So, um, but then this project that I s talked a little bit about on last week's episode with Eric Odom, yeah. um, Tidewater Project, has, obviously you can tell right from the name, um, has a little something-something to do with the water. So I thought for both myself as the guy who will uh, be writing and directing this independent movie, hopefully, and Eric Odom uh, as the guy who will be playing a lead in that movie, it would be uh, beneficial to both of us to get scuba certified and have an experience of being underwater. Awesome. Man. So it was interesting. Your pool is cleaning again, so you can go. You my can pool is being cleaned. Go right back as we to speak. it. Exactly. So um, anyway, once Chris bailed this morning, uh, and I will not use that joke a third time. I thought to myself, you know what, dude, for our 40th episode, you and I 
are the only two people who have been present for that's a kind of an overstatement for every me, episode. But, yeah, yeah. But physically, you present. and I physically have both present. been. You and I have both necessarily been present. Yes. Um, me for a, title, a lot title, of the blabbing. Yeah, and it would be fucked up if you just took a break and like other people came in. Yeah, and Team, and Jack. Team Jack. Yeah. Well, does Kevin well, other have people named Jack? We does Kevin Smith really have any podcasts that have his name in him? In the title? Yeah. No. No. Well, except for Sma. Yeah, and Smith and Mosier. Yeah, right? Smith and Mosier. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, let me just indulge in that for a second, or I, I should say, digress, digress on that into that, whatever. Um, Let's go with it. How present is Scott Mosier these days in all facets of the Empire? I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not. You don't even know. Present, so I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> Scott's doing. I, he's producing documentaries and he's got an animated series and stuff. So I think he still does smodcast. I know with Kevin, he does another does show he? called um, uh, Fat Guy and uh, uh, Beard and Four Eyes, Four Eyes and Beard. Okay, with a guy named uh, Matt Myra from the Nerdist podcast. That's on yeah. both our networks. Yeah. So Scott still does a bunch of podcasts, and he's always he's produced. I think his thing is like documentaries now. Right. He got uh, Oscar nominated for what he did a few years ago and stuff like that. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No shit. Huh. I was uh, talking with our mutual friend. I presume he's a mutual friend between you and I, but certainly a mutual friend between Kevin Smith and I, Malcolm. Malcolm Ingram. Ingram, who is uh, making quite a few strides. Number one, whose birthday is today, I believe, from Facebook. So in lieu of the requisite Facebook wall posting let's both just wish malcolm a very happy birthday on this podcast even though the podcast will we're recording it on your birthday it will be airing uh plus he won't fucking listen to the day show. after your birthday happy, no he won't although birthday. i don't know i am a producer on his on continental now? gay bathhouse Are documentary you? yes i am congratulations man. yeah i kickstarted him did you really and he just um he just launched a second launched a second kickstarter today, today to yeah. get some finishing funds because yeah. he'd already been to Australia. He'd, he'd been all over the place with that, I think. Yeah. Filming it. Yeah, the original guy who owned the Continental, which is a very, 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 very famous sex club in New York City during the pre-AIDS era. And it's where, what, Batman I think is also appropriate. I think today is like National AIDS Day. Is it? I think so. It's a lot of fucked up shit today. Um, it's, I think it was... Bur- that guy retired to Australia. Okay, sorry, and it's, Matt, and it's where saying. Bette Midler and a couple other people got their... Yeah, it was a weird set. sort of... This is probably a really sloppy metaphor, and we should definitely have Malcolm on, on the show. Malcolm, who already directed uh, the brilliant, brilliant Small Town Gay Bar documentary for, I think, MTV? No, for, um, for himself. No, but then it aired... It aired on a bunch of places, but it aired Bravo, Sunday. Bravo, MTV... Logo for a really long time. Logo. Okay. It's on Netflix streaming, as right, is right. his second documentary, Bear Nation. Right. About the bear culture. Which I have not seen, although I certainly would. Um, Small Town Gay Bar is, an, is a terrific, terrific really documentary good. about a very, very, very interesting bar and that you, sort of exists like the bar in the middle of the woods, which was called like... Lalo or something like that in a river runs through it where you have to sort of drive through thick forest to get to it in a clearing and having driven through thick through uh, thick forest and the deafening sounds of like cicadas or cicadas however you pronounce that shit goes down if you get yourself to that place in the middle of the woods 
shit goes down and and he filmed the documentary well the thing that the thing that's that was so interesting for me knowing just a little bit about the production production circumstances behind small town gay bar is that once malcolm identified that he actually wanted to make a documentary about that subject he didn't just settle on the small town gay bar nearest him or a small town gay bar that he knew of he actually drove up and down uh, the eastern part of the United States looking for, and maybe Canada, Malcolm is Canadian. Torontonian. Um, looking for sort of the most interesting uh, small town gay bar with the most sort of innately cinematic participants, characters, story. And the one that he found, uh, whether you're gay or straight, this is a bar it, no, catered exactly. to a very mixed, diverse crowd. Was it shit it went down Missouri, at this bar? Is it Alabama or something like Mississippi? That. I believe. Yeah, I don't down, know. Down in that part of the yeah. World. yeah, yeah, and no longer open. Neither, and I don't even think is it. I don't want to get into spoilers, but is it is it even still standing? I, I be, no. Uh, well, one of them. The, there's remember there are two. two they chronicle. Yeah, one of them. No, I don't even think the second one is either. To tell you the truth, right. But not chronic in in the film, so right. Have right. spoiler alert. Right. If you're if you whether you're gay whether you're gay or straight, if you have any interest in sort of um stuff that goes on in little corners and pockets of America, whether it's out in Simi Valley or the so-called high desert or more rural areas, there's a a gay club that I sometimes check out when I'm back in St. Louis that's across the Mississippi River beyond so-called East St. Louis, which is actually in Illinois, not Missouri, called, uh, well, I don't even want to say that, well, no, we can't hit the brakes. We can't call it. This, no. is, the, this is the name. If you're, if, <laughs> if you're in East St. Louis, you're looking for a good time no, If you're on a in Sunday Belleville night. or Centerville, Illinois, look up Boxers and Briefs. And I think literally in the title, it's one of those steak and shake titles where the the word and is, the little... is not spelled out. And no, it's not an ampersand. It's a apostrophe N apostrophe. Nice. But this is like a gay strip club in the middle of the woods beyond, just behind a big straight strip club, which is frequented by like total diverse St. Louis straight male culture who is into, you know, female strippers. And again, shit fucking goes down, and it is interesting. If you're interested in what happens, what goes on in, a, in across the country after dark, off the interstate, off the freeway, beyond the lights of the truck stop, check out Small Town Gay Bar. Which Just is a great, 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 great documentary. Right and you can get it on DVD and Blu-ray. And so, yeah, Malcolm's next subject is about this very... Not next subject after that, obviously. He did do Bear Nation. How easy for us to have um, diverted into Mal- uh, Malcolm Works or Ingram Works. Um, we forgot Tail Lights Fade. Is that did another we, documentary that no, he did? No, that was his feature he did with... Uh, uh, he wrote, <laughs> With... Um, oh, Jesus. Uh, com- um, Bu- J- uh, Jake Busey... What? It was like a comedy. Uh, really? Uh, like a road heist comedy. With like pop, uh, Denise Richards, Jake Busey. Really? And like a couple other people, yeah. And he directed it? Yeah. I never knew that. Right after Small... No, was it what? after Small Town? Really? I'm not sure. Yeah, he directed like a feature, like a feature oh, studio dude. comedy thing. 
How interesting. If you'd told me that like an hour ago, we'd end up talking about this on this episode. No, yeah, he's, and Having he's already at, sent out tweets, both of us, that we were about to record our 40th, for 40th episode. Anyway, um, Malcolm decided to, Malcolm landed on the Continental, I think technically called the Continental Baths. A Google search will give you your answers, um, which was, again, this is a sloppy metaphor, and Malcolm will probably uh, correct me in his eventual appearance on this podcast but um as studio 54 was to discotheques so-called discotheques um in the 1970s and 80s so too was the continental baths to bathhouses and sex clubs um also during that sort of uh you know incredibly liberal uh period of american history and yes one of the aspects of the Continental that made it, that set it apart from other uh, so-called sex clubs and bathhouses of that era was the presence of a very young Bette Midler singing songs in the sex club to men who were had either just had sex or were about to have sex, now, mostly with other men. Was it a sex club or was there an actual bathhouse? I think it was a very aspect. diverse thing like, and there was like a like restaurant in the middle of it stuff? and stuff. It, I think it was... A lot of everything, um, and hopefully Malcolm's documentary is going to do a great job in sort of taking you through every room and floor of what existed in that place. But here's the other thing, which it seems to me I c- uh, you don't know, which is, uh, do you know who was accompanying her on piano? Oh, uh, I've heard it, but I don't remember now. Is it Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bette Midler and Barry Manilow technically both got their start in a gay bathhouse in a gay bathhouse that's awesome how interesting is that chronicle that shit ingram exactly and bring it home um he's already got a cut and i have um have you partaken i have not but i've asked to see it and i expect that it's in transit so here's hoping um do we have any questions on twitter uh i check your feed because we we Oddly enough, someone asked. Oh my God, dude! Blowing up. Well, yeah, but let me see if whether it's because Miana Burring was just announced as joining the cast of Downton Abbey. Who's that? Which is huge. Who's Miana Burring? Miana Burring is a British actress who is one of the Denali sisters in uh, Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn Part Two. Oh, very cool! And so much fun, and basically just joined the, you know, the British. I, I'm, television I'm phenomena. Very familiar with Downton Abbey. So yeah, I mean that's huge. I'm a huge fan. So <laughs> huge, huge, huge shout out to uh, to Bramalia. Miana and congratulations on that booking. Um, what do we have here? What do the interwebs say? Well, here's some weird questions. Let's do it. Hang on. What do we got? Somebody wants to know whether Stephen King has ever had a boyfriend. What? No. I don't, I don't know where that came that. from. <laughs> um, we'll give him a shout out. Who asked? No. Well, I can't even tell whether it was an original tweet by... Uh, it just, let's see. By Allison Smith. I can't tell. Maybe. Um, what else do we have here? 
When will there be Nomad posters? Of course, also from Allison Smith. Allison, my Let understanding me is... That. Let me handle that one. Yeah. Okay. Go for it, Matt Cohen. When will there be Nomad posters specifically of Peter the Nomad, played by Eric Odom? February 12th. I think they'll be out a mark little your, sooner mark than Mark your that. calendar. I think they'll be out a little sooner than that. The second edition. Uh, they'll, they will be very soon, guys. You get so excited. <laughs> um, what a good Allison, in guy. answer to your question, they... I think that I'll give you a little more than I probably should. Um, I think that the panel, the final Twilight panel in Hall H at San Diego Comic-Con almost two weeks ago on Thursday uh, went sort of was, um, I don't know, what am I saying? Was so much bigger and better than even even by Twilight standards they expected it to be that they they decided to release all of that character art of the new uh, vampires, the new Cullen witness witnesses to be specific, um, the very next day. And I don't know that that was any kind of long term plan uh, so much as um, a sort of being able to to uh, turn on a dime decision. And the simple reality is that um, the nomads, including Alistair, uh, Randall, Mary, and Charlotte, uh, as well as Peter, and are and not finished yet. Shlomo the nomad? Shlomo Glickstein the nomad. It's true. Um, He's in there. He's in there. So I think they'll be out within the next couple of weeks, Allison. Here's hoping anyway. Um, Mama Cougar wants to know boxers and briefs. Just kidding, boys. Don't answer that. How is she fucking How wait? predictable. How she utterly boxers predictable. Boxers and briefs. That's your club, man. How did she know already? I know. How funny is that? She's got a fucking bug in the house. <laughs> we have to do a sweep of this That's home. actually very funny. Yeah. <laughs> and good on you for making that connection because I'm the one who's staring at the question <laughs> and I didn't even make it. Um... It's it's always only white CK briefs for me, Matt Cohen. Uh, only boxers and only like colored weird boxers. Only. Colored weird. What makes them weird other than the the no, they're just stain. like striped boxers or patterns? I don't like solid boxers typically. Okay, all right. And I only like solid you wear tidy whiteies. I do. Oh, dude, I kill myself. Well, no. See, I'm killing my own sperm. I remember but having fortunately, to do that. as a homosexual male, it makes no difference. <laughs> I started like I started wearing boxers maybe around like eleven or twelve, and then every once in a while I'd have like a formal affair. And you can't. When I was a kid, for some reason, I couldn't put on like slacks or dress pants with boxers, so I'd have to wear like tidy whities for fancy shit. Right. It was always the worst day of my life. <laughs> worst fucking day of my life. Because um, shortly thereafter, it would be Mister P and Pooh stain, right? What in tidy whities? Yeah, I don't even remember, dude. For I don't sure. think so. I'm pretty clean, man. You clean it out, dude. I'm pretty clean. Um. Usagi, Usagi Mitsukino. I rabbit think I got that right. Rabbit. Is it? Does it? Usagi means rabbit. U S A G I underscore M I T S U K I N O, who is one of our hardcore fans. Usagi who is going to guest on this episode in a future episode. Um, once she uh, comes into town, um, wants to know congratulates us on our 40th episode wants to know if we ever miss the absent co-host 
And does he ever check in with you guys or comment on any of the episodes? That would be Greg Yolen. Here's the, the sad and pathetic reality of it. I don't think Greg Yolen listens to... I don't think Greg Yolen has listened to a single episode of the podcast, regardless of his absence or presence. But nor have I. Uh, really? I don't listen I back. listen to a few of them. I don't listen but, back. But here's the thing. I also have to edit. I do them. one a week. Totally, and it's also I I, I I listen to this show twice because when I go home and put all the shit together, I have to listen. Do you to listen it. to the show in its entirety? Yeah, to make sure there's no fuck ups. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Little little. Hey, Mac check. Yeah, yeah. Thank I you. Work, man. Come on, thank I do you. It for a reason. <laughs> um, and then you have to splice the the uh, opening the, and closing the music theme and music that, onto it, fun stuff. which I fucking it, love. And, and by the way, thank the, you. No worries for playing out that mute for playing the opening music so long at the beginning and also playing the closing theme out in its entirety at the end as we should because i fucking love it and so what i basically do is i go home i, I listen christopher hoag.com for I, the win i fact check i put on hoag's music i cut out all of jack's anti-semitic rants and then it's good to of go which there have been none I'm, I'm joking dude okay okay well, did you you're jewish i know wouldn't it be and funny this if is I an just, election I year i need i need yeah. for uh I need for Are voters to believe that yeah, I'm yeah. going to Israel if I get elected. <laughs> That's where you're having your election honeymoon, at the Wailing Wall. Um, what does the Facebooker say? Uh, what else happened? Do, do you wanna, I, I, know, I know a lot of people have asked about to comment on, do you want to go deep or no? Do you want to go, go to that place? On what? On the bad thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Super timely. And uh, I think it was, well, certainly um, Greg Smith... Uh, from Chicago, who I know through Battlestar Prop and Costume Collecting, collecting, who's a podcast listener, and I think maybe Greg Daniels also um, comment, wanted to know, or it may have been just been Greg Smith anyway, um, wanted to know our take on, or whether or not we were going to talk at all about the uh, Colorado multiplex shooting, the so-called Dark Knight Massacre, which feels a little sensational even in its title. I heard them call it the Batman movie massacre, which was even that's a little clunky. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we should say uh, right up front that neither Cohen nor I have yet uh, partaken of the Dark Knight Rises, and neither of us, for fear of uh, death and death in a movie Re- theater, recrimination. Yeah. Um, no, it has nothing to do with it. Has nothing to do with. I'm, but as it turns out, Matt Cohen, and we are allowed to discuss this, right? Yeah. Well, Matt I, Cohen knows someone who was in the theater, folks. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't spoken vividly with the dude, but there's a guy named Zach Eastman. Uh, shout out to Zach. Um, I think it's Zach Eastman 37 on Twitter. Okay. CH. Um, he was a, uh, like a ViewSkew message boardie from way back. Like when he was like 13, super, super young. Crazy. I love that they're called boardies. Boardies. Uh, crazy, enthusiastic filmmaker, film student, always been, been making short films for years. Crazy movie buff, always right. um, interns on any local film that comes through where he lives in, in, Aurora, Colorado. in Aurora. In Aurora, Colorado. In Aurora, Colorado. How amazing. And, uh, and, I don't have specific specifics, but he was he was at the midnight showing. Of course, he was. Yeah, as a hardcore film nerd. There was only one, I think, one or two screens or something, and he was in the theater where, wow. where the, the dude came in. Yeah. That's incredible. And has he said anything about it on Twitter about no, his I mean, experience he's, he's of it? Not not in depth. Uh, he's he saw Dark Knight. He bought it. He, two days later. He went to go see it. Right. And he was like fuck fear, and he he posted a really cool picture of the Aurora ticket, the shooting ticket next to his new ticket. That's great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think he's seen the film like three times now. He's just kind of taking that. Really? 
approach. But um, yeah, just crazy though, man. Just wow. In terms of how many people could have been in that theater, a hundred, and that's comes home like that. I I actually know one of the kids. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. What was striking about that? I I mean, there are a few striking aspects about that. Why don't you uh, just mention what you were what you discussed briefly before we started rolling on right. the uh, the big. Uh, do your if, if for any journalists listening in on this podcast, for, <laughs> of which I'm sure there are exactly zero. Okay, and do I'm, your fucking homework. G- not even do your fucking homework. Be like, if I asked a pay fucking, attention. Jack Nicholson was one of the most iconic on-screen characters of all time in that fucking movie. He, the Dark Knight made like two billion fucking dollars. Right. When did the Joker have red hair? In every single news report I've heard about this fucking shooting and about the trial, right. they've said James, whatever the fucking asshole's name is, right. had uh, died red, shock dyed red hair, just like Batman's arch enemy, the Joker, in the film. Yeah. Every single one. Is, and apparently the kids said, I'm the Joker, and that's why they're doing that. But, they're, but every single one is saying the hair, and he was dressed as the Joker. Right. He had fucking red hair, a bulletproof vest, and a gas mask on. Yeah. If anything, you look more like fucking Bane. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Totally. But it's just, and I know that's a silly thing to gripe on, but just it's like... lazy. Just the laziest reporting of yeah. all time. How did not... Was Cesar Romero's ha- hair red green. in the original? Green. Green in the original Always. Batman TV series? It's never not been green. Wow. It, his Joker has never had red hair. Wow. There's a scene in Dark Knight, which you saw... Uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, which you've seen, right? Yes, the Dark Knight, which I did just see. Where Heath Ledger puts on a red wig and shoots people at a hospital. Right. And people are saying, speculating, oh, maybe that's what he meant. He was the Joker. But it's fucking, there's no yeah. fucking way. Yeah. Uh, it's just, they want, they the news wants so badly for this kid to have been dressed as the Joker because then they yeah. can turn it into a whole other thing. You know totally, what I mean? Totally. Fuck them. I was struck by, um, as soon as I started seeing photographs and then some news footage of the multiplex itself, how utterly identical that multiplex looks to so many so many multiplexes every fucking movie theater in the everywhere yeah. now yeah when i again i think we mentioned on last week's episode uh eric and i and a few of our friends adam and eric and mike enriquez and mark gilpin were all back in uh southern virginia recently for a sort of um half study half scout for this tidewater project and one of the things I always love to do uh, when I'm sounds back like in any working, of the hopes. It sounds like you're working on like a government. Not going to lie, like it's a, CIA. Sounds like you're working on a dam, dude. It's or like, CIA. Or like a water, big like the you Panama Canal. You could think it's a dam. Yeah, you yeah. could think it's a dam. It's an operative. You're taking um, out somebody. Anytime I'm back in any of the places that that, uh, that I've lived in my life as an army brat and a uh, bit of a nomad who's moved around uh, after leaving my parents' house, um, I always, always, always drive by the local movie theaters and uh, at least walk in the lobby to see the so-called materials, to see the posters hanging in the poster cases, the standees, the vinyl banners. Um, and if it's a theater that is older than 10 years and appeals to any of my sort of uh, nostalgic chords for the sort of um, triplexes or... Um, twins of the 70s and 80s where I saw so many of those uh, Spielberg Lucas movies. T- I'll actually buy a ticket and go into individual auditoriums just to see how they look and smell. The town I grew up in until I was about oh, until I was like 12 years old we had a triplex uh-huh. and the only other theater we had in a very very small town too we had a triplex and we had, a, and we had a one screen 
A single. That f- wow. 500 seat balcony giant auditorium where I wow. saw every big event movie of my life until I was like 15 and then shut it. And down. what is that? What was the name of the theater? Yeah. Just the I'm from Syosset, New York. It was just like the Syosset, I think they called it the Syosset One. It was just the big movie theater. Okay. I saw Star Wars. I saw Jurassic Park. I saw sure. Gladiator. I saw every big, I'm big movie. I'm just wondering whether that was technically what they used to call an exhibition, a neighborhood house, or whether it was a first run theater or a move over house. What became of it? An Equinox Gym, I believe. What about, but an, an Equinox Gym in the, the exterior no. shell no, they, or they, a total they, demolition? They, total demolition. As, That's a bummer. As they did to the tripli- triplex I had growing up. Which was called the? I think the Syosset 3. Have you ever gone on? Um, like oldmovietheaters.com and stuff to look it up? Yeah, there are a number of movie theater websites where you can go that are uh, good historical references for old older theaters, both. See, uh, gone There's, and still around. I had the luxury, like my my dad. Though both of us have stopped going to movies. When I was like maybe between the age of like ten and sixteen, I would go to four movies a week with my dad. Right, and to every theater in Long Island too, for wow. the most part. So wow. I got to see a lot of really, you know what I mean, the sure. whole the whole breadth and scale of it. Absolutely. Uh, I think my there's one in there, like there's a couple really old ones. Like there's one in Roslyn that, that's like two screens, and I saw like. Those were the like the archival houses where I saw like Blood Simple, on, right? You know what I mean? Sure. Like Fifteen years later or whatever it was. Repertory houses. Exactly, and then or there were revival we had, houses. We had one art like cinema. They was called Huntington Cinema Arts. That was our one art house theater, right, on Long Island, and it was like tiny and weird. Huh. But I went there like almost every day. Right. It's interesting the role that old movie theaters, whatever they are, neighborhood houses, multiplexes, movie palaces for. People who are old enough to remember seeing movies in so-called movie palaces where and literally the seat count starts UA, in about 2000. UA 17s or whatever the fuck they are. Yeah, not the sort of... Well, the Regal age of the multiplex yeah. began with um, a, a twin, I believe, in Kansas City by a guy named Stan Durwood, who is the founder of AMC, which was recently just bought by a Chinese conglomerate. AMC... Uh, American movie, American movie, multi cinema. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, out of which, until their and again until There's their recent millions. sale was always based in Kansas City. So the first American multiplex, I believe, is thought to have been one of or Stan Derwood's uh, twinning of a movie theater that he owned, which led to the creation of American multi cinema AMC. Um, and obviously the age of the multiplex then was very took us through the sort of early to mid 70s all the way into the 90s late 80s early 90s with the birth of the so-called megaplex I was gonna ask, is it called a megaplex yeah, it's called a now? megaplex right. totally and that's where we are still in the age of well obviously the the um theatrical exhibition landscape is very diverse with everything from you know mom and pops that you can still find in small towns or you know cities like richmond there's still a mom and pop operating that again i did when i'm when i was visiting uh, my friends mike and tracy in richmond they i always ask about the local movie theaters then i always ask to get taken to them and in the case of that mom and pop in richmond i'll buy a ticket and just walk in and walk through the auditorium and walk upstairs walk through the lobbies and then leave sometimes with sometimes with a bag of popcorn and sometimes without more recently. But um, 
obviously there are a number of ways that you can still see a movie in this country in a theater and a number of different theaters uh lots of different kinds of theaters uh that are still around in which you can see them but i but yes we are still living in the age of the megaplex and nothing will replace them what's replacing the megaplex was dvd and now you know just data or they're trying like uh my mom called me all fucking excited they, red box and netflix they and went they went to a um some theater in florida where it had like uh sushi and fucking massage seats and like one of those like 30 yeah the high-end sort of luxury approach which i don't we like. just again just back in virginia in the in the so-called tidewater area of virginia also known as the hampton roads region there's one, there's a Cinemark concept, I think, in Hampton Roads where it's, where there's a liquor license thing, and there's yeah, yeah. a dinner service, which is interesting, isn't it, Cohen, in that it's just a, it's basically a high-end version of the Alamo Draft House. Absolutely. It's like you want to, you want to eat a lot of shitty, yeah, just you want to eat dinner and, you and do shit while you watch a and movie. get plastered yeah. in your, in your chair, we'll serve it up. For and 40, we'll bring it to for you forty fucking for not a little money or something. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like way to upsell Cross those booze. tickets. Totally. For a two-hour event. They're making it like a concert. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that that concept has trickled down to oh, just to the tidewater uh, level. Quick, I just here was my theater. It was a United Artist One. That's what it was. It was just a giant one screen. They United Artists Cinema 150 in Syosset. This is a great photograph, dude. Yeah. Who's, whose photo stream is I this? Don't know. You I just, just looked I it up on Flickr? Yeah, and I found the other one, too. My, the other one was a Syosset Triplex. It was opened in 1955. It was tripled in, like, the 80s. Like, this is really cool. Wow. Okay, so... To find um, out about movie theaters. Hang on just one second. Hang on just Because they're all gone second. now. Now, the only, the only thing close now is, like, a UA... 14 i believe and uh i think there's a lowe's like the town next to it but uh right uh what else uh see there were still cool theaters in manhattan though when i lived there that that i enjoyed yeah like even though they were um and hang on let me just jump back for a second so note to kathleen kathleen burns vorndom i've never really had occasion to pronounce her last name i think to her face, anyway. I say it behind her back all the time. She is. Uh, she and Tracy Olson have uh, done an enormous amount of work on these episode guides, which you can find at teamjackpodcast.blogspot.com. Again, that's teamjackpodcast.blogspot.com. And Kathleen, you want to look, go to Flickr and look up Greg Chris 66 is the username Greg Chris 66. Uh, the 66 at the end are both numeric, and you will find uh, in his photo stream on Flickr a photograph of the United Artists Cinema 150, which gets my dick hard even looking at it. Dude, this is my kind of Dude, it was an amazing movie theater. theater. Yeah. Totally. Giant um, fucking sound. I mean, it held... Uh, let me see if I can find more info on it. No, that was... Uh, yeah, dude. shame. Check out this. Um, oh wow! Look at the episode. Good. It's crazy for episode thirty-nine. See, I've tried look to find it, but there's look at this. You, you have too scroll many down, websites. Scroll down. Scroll down. Scroll down. Look at this shit. fucking content, dude. It's unbelievable. Wow, Team Jack fans, definitely check that out. It is <laughs> unbelievable. If you basically want to see the, again, what's the Smodco equivalent of this that actually happens live sin on bin. air? This, the sin bin. Yeah. Right. And is that recorded and preserved somewhere? 
Uh, I, I believe they're all archived. No, someone, this guy named Andre uh, runs it, I believe. It's just like a fan website where he just, he in live updates. Wow, okay. But look at all this. Dude, I'm still That's going. That's still the same episode? One episode. Wow. There's your face, dude. Hey. It's, it's pretty amazing. Wow. You have to say, Kathleen and Tracy. That's like the most for work the ever done. Yeah, win, for a fucking podcast for the in my life. fucking win. Again, if you want to enjoy this podcasty goodness, folks, um, basically the visual companion, the illustrated guide to each episode of Team Jack, teamjackpodcast.blogspot.com should get you there. Who's that floating over the water? Uh, that would be uh, Esme Cullen from the Twilight Saga, played by uh, Liz Reeser. These are photographs from the Breaking Dawn party at the Hard Rock, which you attended and um, rated well, but not as highly as your other bacchanalia <laughs> in San Diego. Do we have any other questions? It was a fun time. Uh, check your check your feed, sir. What do we got? Oh, someone actually it's a little shreepy shreepy on someone Twitter asked, at the moment. Someone asked me actually. Uh, let me look at it real quick. Bart Scott. Yeah, Twitter is weird right now. I uh, feel like we've yet to hear a detailed review slash postmortem on Prometheus, other than that Jack cried. Is it too late? I cried twice. Here, here's my admission. I never fucking saw. You never it. got around to it. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I love. I um, and that was my most anticipated movie of the summer. But it's on the cover of the new issue of Film Comment. My, Michael negative. Fassbender and Prometheus, which I know means, amongst other things, this thing. There's definitely a camp that loves that movie as much as there is a camp of people who hate that movie. But there are enough, it feels to me like there are enough in both, there are enough uh, humans having, uh, there are enough descendants of the engineers in both camps to cement that movie's position as um, something of a success this summer. Certainly it's the best movie I've seen this summer, of course, that said. That's well, let's not get in all. Let's, yeah. not, let's not get in all the movies I haven't seen this summer. Well, no, it just feels to me like... Um, I think most of the Prometheus stuff we should save for when we have Charlie DeLazarica back on the show um, around the time of the release of the Prometheus uh, Blu-ray and DVD that he's produced, which I think the contents of which have been at least partially uh, released or revealed on interwebs and are going to be fucking amazing. So um, definitely, definitely worth your wait. As is, by the way, the new edition of Charlie's... Um, Blade Runner final cut set, which is now coming with a, a brand new book, The Art of Blade Runner, which has never existed ever in the world, as well as a new diecast uh, spinner, similar in scale or identical in scale, I think, to the diecast spinner that came with the so-called suitcase set. What spinner? His guns? Uh, no, that oh, would be his thing? vehicle. The thing he's on? Rick Deckard's vehicle, his cop car, oh, basically. Okay. Um, and this is a Sid Mead concept version. Uh, which is basically the Blade Runner equivalent of a Ralph McQuarrie Ralph concept. McQuarrie. Oh, yeah, 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 Sidney was the, one of the... He was the big designer, big uh, futurist, who designed Blade Runner and uh, designed the spinner vehicles. Very cool. Which are fucking awesome. So, so. look forward to that. So yeah, totally. Um, what have you seen lately? Anything? Psh, nothing. 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 Yeah, I haven't seen shit. Well, I did watch Batman Begins again. Um Oh, Which watched- I'd seen once, and then I watched Dark Knight for the first time last night. I watched them back-to-back, uh, preparing for 
Bill Condon's return. DKR. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, Bill will either be on the ground or approaching the ground in Los Angeles. And I know I will be uh, hauled off at some point over the next three days to see Dark Knight Rises. I'm trying to think. I did. I have not seen any movies, but I saw an amazing comedy show last night. Yeah? Who? At the Groundlings Theater. It's called The Black Version. My buddy Phil Lamar was in it, so he invited me down. Okay. And it's uh, basically eight or nine African-American improvisers. Uh-huh. All people from, like, Mad TV and, and movies and stuff, you know, like, you know what I mean? Deborah right. Wilson was there. And, right. uh, uh Gary, uh, the guy from, like, Malcolm in the Middle and Soul Plane. It was really cool. And okay. basically the entire show is uh, they ask for a suggestion of a film, and then they do the black version of it. Right. So, like, last night the suggestion was The Shining, and they did The Vapors, which took place at a La Quinta Inn in Detroit. That's hilarious. And you know what I mean? It's a really, really funny show. And I, I know it sells out every week. They do it like the second and fourth Monday of every month uh, right. at the Groundlings. And it's one of the best improv shows I've ever seen. Huh. And they've been doing it for years. And they've like, and just the list of movies they've done. They've done everything from like, you know, like Godfather and like Superman to like Yentl. Like right. The black version of Yentl. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. That's awesome. Um, how busy was it? Sold out, but only Groundlings Theater probably sits about fifty only. Okay, so so get your tickets uh, early. But uh, really, really funny show. I definitely recommend that, and especially for film buffs too, because like they all knew The Shining really, really well. Right. So they hit it like scene for scene, except just their the the black version, as it were. Right. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Um, how are you? continuing your uh, comic-con recovery for me it feels like just the last few days are finally back to normal um i think yeah like yesterday today i'm good yeah yeah for the for, you know what i mean dude it is amazing have and, you worked, and how old are you again 27 it doesn't have anything i'm 45 it doesn't have anything to do no. with our respective ages it just fucking takes it out of you dude i think it's it? a combination it's of like, fuck of just it's also shitty eating and in your schedule, case unbelievable partying shitty eating a lot of partying and <laughs> dancing on my part i think more i think my real fucking thing was the physical abuse i put not even boozing just just walking around dancing fucking right. being up and awake till 8 a.m every day did i tell you i got stoned for the second time down there no you didn't eating or smoking eating uh my Damn friends it. adam and eric gave me an edible on Saturday late afternoon. Yeah, once we once we parted ways. So far, I it's didn't all it's only ever been edibles yeah, yeah. for me. I've never smoked. I, I, we, we had a little anything. bet going that I, we we were going to try to get you to smoke. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, down there. Yeah, so they handed me some sort of cookie or whatever, which I nommed, and then found myself uh, again, as with Palermo's Pizza, on my inaugural high, laughing uncontrollably. Where is their, this happening though? In the hotel. In room? their hotel room at the okay. Hard Rock. And um, then uh, news that uh, friends and fellow marijuana enthusiasts, Mike and Mark, were en route to the hotel room. And I was like, no, 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 I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so I went up to my room uh, in the same hotel and climbed into bed at around 9 o'clock on Saturday night and slept for 12 hours straight. That was your fucking body. That was it, dude. So pathetic. That was your Saturday night. Needless to say, a creative project did not come out of yeah. my second. You slept. My that's second amazing. High. You got into bed at nine p.m. and just slept. Nine o'clock on Saturday night, prime time, prime Comic Con real biggest estate. Biggest night of Comic Con. The biggest party night of yeah, Comic Con, yeah. and I fucking took to bed <laughs> and slept straight through, straight on till morning. Did you have intentions of going out? Uh. 
Because you told me very early on, I, I asked you, uh, I, I don't know if this is a little too inside the park, but I asked you on one of the early days, I was like, hey man, do you want to, um, I'm going to this party on so-and-so night, do you want me to see if, you, if I can get you on the list? And Which you, party? I don't I remember. I think it was True Blood. And you, oh yeah, and I was you like, said, no, 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 I never do said, parties. I don't do fucking parties at Comic-Con. Yeah. You gave me like a real nasty look and <laughs> walked away. Aside from the Summit party, and I did do the Entertainment Weekly party, I think two years running. Um, when uh, my friend Nicole was a writer for that magazine. And um, my now that <laughs> Twilight is, is um, Twilight at Comic-Con at least is over, next year there will be no parties. Why do you, why do you not a party enthusiast? I just don't. You, had a good, uh, you looked like you were having fun at the Twilight party. You were chatting. I totally was. You were holding court. had a court. great time. Yeah, yeah. Had a few drinks in me. Um, I don't know, dude. I think you know what it is. It's sort of like, and I get it, having been on both sides of it, like when you're on the inside of it, and also, you know, you've got, for these two Twilight parties this year and last, you know, I have a guest list that I have to submit to the head of field publicity for Summit, um, getting me onto the Entertainment Weekly guest list a few years ago was always a sort of thing. So it's the hassle? That, it's the I hassle, get that. and I get also... That. Comic-Con for me has always really been, you know, it is the nerd prom, it is the nerd Super Bowl, it's the nerd everything. Nerd summer camp, yeah. It's the only place on planet Earth, if you're into the stuff that we're into, it, there is no equivalent of it in Europe, there's no equivalent of it in Australia, uh, there's no equivalent of it in, in Asia. This is it. If you're into this stuff... You have to fly in we, from around the world, and people do. We literally take to over San Diego, we which we're lucky enough to live yeah. three hours away from, totally. two three hours away from, uh, for San Diego Comic Con. And for me, parties with guest lists and where people are going to be necessarily excluded. Fuck it. I don't do that in my normal life, and this was like I don't. Yeah. I make it. I make it. I don't point. put myself in a position where I'm. No. Where I'm going to be excluded. Yes. So, no, I, I make a point of like, if any place doesn't want to take my fucking money, fuck it. Fuck them. Like, yeah, if, they, exactly. if they have a velvet rope, I don't typically Just not, go. It's not the point of Comic Con. And there one, were people I were. It was a Rome thing for me. People I have been friendly with uh, in past years who have been all about those fucking parties. All about them. Oh my God, what's the party on Thursday night? What's the party on Friday night? What's the party on Saturday night? Which parties? So are we going to start there and then go to the next one and then go to the next one? But is it, are we going to get to the next one too early? Or are we going to, are we, if we get, if we do this one first, are we going to arrive at the next one too late? And will the talent, of, and it's just like, you know, also when your days, when your days, my days are spent taking in the exhibit, the NFL the football, floor, yeah. football field, Gigantic. regulation football field size exhibit hall floor of the San Diego Convention Center as intensely as I take it in where I'm like an old man basically studying everything it's like uh, you know partying until dawn is not it doesn't work out with that schedule it doesn't yeah. it totally works for you because you spend 15 minutes on the exhibit hall floor over the course of the entire convention it's just there's so yes and which I I don't know why as I get older I want to spend less time on exhibit hall floors you want to spend less time yeah yeah, maybe, I don't know, I might be with you. Also, I will say, Cohen, I don't know whether I've said this on a previous Comic-Con-related podcast this year, but as I was walking through this year, knowing, of course, that, as we do, derp, that this is it for Twilight, yeah. so next year 
I'm back to being a civilian, which is fine. This was my 10th consecutive. And by the way, the first eight, I was a civilian, a geek, a nerd like everybody else. And then for the last two, there's been a movie down there, a a Bill Condon movie to to promote Comic-Con style. I started to wonder, it's like, yeah, you know, next year, okay, so back to getting, you know, getting badges and getting getting a badge and getting a hotel room on my own and all this stuff. I started to go, you know, 10 in a row now. The exhibit hall floor, I do take it so intensely every year. It doesn't really Did change like, that I mean, much. No, and it's always, there's... It- it's often very much, it's the same vendors selling in many cases... Exactly the same shit. And that's every and every fucking booth. Like I, it's went, like you've gone away. In some cases, these these guys have gone back to Europe, dude. Some, and now they're back a year later, and their inventory, what's on their walls, hasn't changed on Sunday at all. I, I fully intended. I was like, all right, I'm bringing my camera. I'm bringing my wallet. That's it. And I'm gonna walk the floor, take pictures of cool shit, and just fucking spend a lot of money because I haven't I didn't go I didn't walk the floor at all. Yeah. I spent six fucking dollars because there was nothing I wanted. I tweeted out uh, earlier this week a photograph of every year I get asked the same thing. Well, dude, what'd you buy? And everybody thinks because they know the shit I'm into. And it's like, but that bespeaks a certain and you know, no offense, and I'm always at I'm look, I'm I'm always happy to be asked questions about myself like any other guy. But it's like that bespeaks a, la- a certain lack of knowledge as to w- what the actuality is of what's available on the exhibit hall floor. Because the reality is, most years uh, I spend under 100 bucks. Yeah. And this year I bought two books on uh, Space Battleship Yamato, the old uh, Japanese sort of early anime uh, or animated series, I guess you would call it. I don't know whether it's that technically it's anime. qualifies as am- any anime. Ja- any does, Japanese it does? Anime. Okay. Um, but one of the books, Hyper Weapon 2016 or whatever the hell it is, I already had a copy of, or I, I have like five copies of. And the other book, Yamato Mechanical Illustrations, was the new book that I saw. And I think that book was like, it was either 40 or 60 bucks in like a really nice, you know, box and slip cover and all this shit. Nice that was it, dude. Right? That was it. Some kid was telling me he spent $6,500. I was like... On what? On fucking what? Like Kill Bill replica swords and fucking Captain America yeah. t-shirts? No. You they can sell really... all this shit at Hot Topic now. Exactly. That was totally. what I felt about the con Or floor. online yeah. at Entertainment Earth or, you know, Hobby Japan. And the cool shit you couldn't either couldn't buy or it was TBA or it was... Yeah, it's prototype. The Gentle Giant shit or the Absolutely. Weta shit. You know what I mean? And totally. The, and honestly, out of the, the booths even, like, I think... Marvel and DC had their one fucking booth with no interaction. There's no interaction anymore even. It's just signing shit now. There's no cool in terms of like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just f- empty, like just booths with people standing there. There's nothing to draw you in. That's why I think Weta and Gentle Giant were the most popular booths at the con because there was actual kind of cool shit to look at. Well, Weta, Weta had after the taking trolls. a few years off in between Lord of the Rings and, and The Hobbit Part 1 now, after taking a few years off, Weta came roaring Hard. back to the exhibit hall floor yeah. with those three trolls. With the cave trolls, that was it. And that was the biggest thing on the floor. Unbelievable, you know, life-size statues of Gandalf, Gandalf and... Smeagol. Smeagol, and it's early days for me, so I don't really know the um, rest of the... There were some... There were, it was just really characters cool. Characters like, from the Hobbit. And the set was just like a stone wall, and it had engravings. It was of, spectacular. It had dwarves, like... Spectacular. Engraved it. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then Gentle Giant did that really cool bust kind of walkthrough. Do you remember that? 
Yeah. They had like every bust in their company set up on like a, um, you know what I mean? Yep. And those were the two booths I cared about. No, it was crazy. Huh. It was crazy. But if you get on the mailing list for Weta via the internet, Richard or you get Taylor on the was hanging out there. Gentle Giant mailing list, you'll end up seeing all that product. Yeah. All that product will be solicited straight to your inbox over the course of the year, you know? And I find, I think it's been a very, very long time since I've bought anything from General Giant. Yeah, yeah. My favorite vendors these days are not coincidentally the guys who are still producing new Battlestar-related uh, product, by which I mean to say Ron Moore's iteration of Battlestar and new product from Ron Moore's iteration of Battlestar, which are um, Anovos, QMX, and EFX are probably my, my three favorite vendors these days so when i hit the comic-con floor it was all about getting to finding those three a novos to see their dave dorman uh battlestar print hangar deck scramble it was about getting to efx <laughs> to see their protos for their ralph mccrory battlestar galactica portfolio and also their book the art of battlestar galactica which will also feature heavily the work of ralph the recently departed ralph mccrory and um, QMX didn't have so much new Battlestar stuff this year, although their uh, their Colonial Phoenix um, coasters are are so awesome that I bought like five <laughs> sets. I went Kota Book here, or whatever the fuck you said. It had cool shit too. Cody Cody Boyuka. I never. I, I can never Kota get Bukia, it right. And we they, busted it out on a previous episode, and I still can't get it right. But they they're doing like the fucking lightsaber chopsticks and all that, which are fun. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I have, totally a, I have an Enterprise uh, pizza cutter. Are you an alien guy? Uh, a little bit. Because like there's a company yeah. that's doing chestburster chopsticks, oh, also nice. facehugger chopsticks. I like that. I have a plush facehugger. Yeah, those yeah. are cool with the posable fingers. Yeah, yeah, with the posable fingers. things. Yeah. yeah, those are fun. Um, here's You, you want to know my final line? Uh, here's my final line on Prometheus. Which will either make you want to make you want to see it or not. When you go back to Alien, um, I saw Star Wars when I was ten years old, which, as far as I'm so far as I'm concerned, is the perfect age for anybody to have ever seen Star Wars and experienced Star Wars on opening day at age ten, right? So I think it's like a year or two later. Here comes Ridley Scott with Alien. I'm twelve. Now I would say. I probably, I had thoughts or feelings that I would, looking back on them now, I would say, mm, gay, from when I was like five years old and had my first like weird little primordial crushes on Peter Pan, Robin Hood, yeah, William Shatner as Captain oh, Kirk, yeah, yeah, yeah. not even kidding. Um here comes Giger with, or here comes Giger and Ridley Scott with Alien when I'm 12. The Alien, first of all, when they enter the derelict spaceship, they enter that spaceship through basically one of three giant vaginas that are that are in the center of the so-called derelict spaceship, and then they ultimately encounter um, the Alien, which has as its head a giant erect penis now i don't know how long it took me to figure out that that's what i was actually looking at inverted being carried around on an essentially humanoid body but let's just say it took a while right 
something so transgressive about that. And looking back on it now, you still can't believe, even though, you know, this was the, this was an age when movie studios were still movie studios. And yeah, they were owned by slightly larger companies. I think, you know, Paramount was owned by Gulf and Western, but 20th Century Fox was still 20th Century Fox. It wasn't News Corp. But you still can't believe that Ridley Scott and H.R. Giger brought to movie theaters across America and around the world a monster that has it, had it as its head a giant heart on. Here's what you have to say about Prometheus. Not once but twice during the course of Prometheus in the year 2012, paid for and distributed and paid for marketed and distributed fully by News Corp, owners of Fox Studios, do you see an alien creature basically shove a dick right into and down the throat of a guy? Which is like, there's something still so transgressive about that in a movie that cost, before any marketing, from what I heard, uh, once all the rebates were cashed in, the movie cost only about 130 million bucks, but it's still 130 million bucks for a big summer movie based on the you know the latest installment in the Alien uh, franchise that still does have something so transgressive as uh, two cocks being at different points being <laughs> shoved into and down guys' throats. That's pretty fucking amazing. By the way, by uh, by all accounts, a heterosexual film director, Ridley Scott. And I don't, I don't know of any sort of openly gay people who are involved in that movie. It's not about some sort of secret homosexual agenda in the middle of a, of a news corp, you know, the right wing news corp movie or whatever. Um, it's just about the transgression of horror and showing you stuff that not only are you not used to seeing it, but you know, it is, it's transgressive, you know, that's awesome. And that's my, that's one of my many. And by the way, let's just say for, um, let me just say to clarify, as a gay guy, those two occasions when that go, does go down on screen are no, not the two times that I cried. <laughs> <laughs> those are separate occasions. And I will, once we talk about the Prometheus Blu-ray, or we talk about Prometheus through the prism of the the phenomenal uh, Blu-ray DVD releases that are coming from uh, Charlie DeLazarica and his fine folks. I will uh, be very clear about the two moments in that movie that uh, choked me up both times I saw it. I saw that movie. I saw that movie once as uh, saw it once in 2D and then once in uh, 3D IMAX out at the uh, View Cinemas here in uh, Culver City. So, with Bill Condon, who loves and adores that movie and thinks it's a masterpiece. So, anyway, Matt Cohen. Um, this was fun, sir. I'm a little freaked out 40. right now because um, <laughs> they lo it looks like they just banned marijuana dispensaries in Los Angeles. And Is that true? And it's going to go into effect in 30 days. That's what they're reporting. So really? I'm trying to breathe. How quickly can you get this? Can we get our podcast on the air sooner than Wednesday? I'll try. I'm trying to fucking breathe right now, so I might not be good for the rest of the podcast. Where are you seeing it? Uh, Huff, Huff Poe, someone just tweeted it. LA Marijuana Dispensary Ban Approved by Council. It's going to go into effect in 30 days, it sounds like. But what's the workaround? What uh, about other counties? Grow and caregivers. I don't know. Everyone's going to drive to fucking Burbank. Oh, Burbank's technically a different county, right? No, Burbank is in Los Angeles County. I thought it was its own... 
LA City Council votes to ban pot dispensaries in a vote of 14 to 0. This is at the LA Times, latimes.com. The council agreed to prohibit storefront sales of marijuana while still allowing, still allowing small groups of patients and caregivers to grow it collectively. Lawmaker vows to push ahead on medical marijuana bill. Probably not coincidentally, Occupy LA pl- plans protest outside downtown events. I might be joining them. <laughs> <laughs> and Sherman Helmsley dies at age 74. Fuck me. All right. But folks, the headline that's team, is... That's team Jack for this week. I'm going to go kill myself. The headline is... Uh, my former housemate, Christian Bale, visits the shooting victims yeah. in Colorado with his wife, CB, uh, who I've spoken with a few times but have never, have never met and is, uh, seems to be fucking awesome. Um, really, 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 let's just say... Awesome um, thing to do, yeah, yeah. Super, 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 super cool thing for uh, Christian to do, to take himself, not, not you know not having been transposed by the studio or anything um, to take himself to Colorado to meet, it looks like seven of the victims um, at the hospital. Um, Really, really, really cool. And you know what? That is Christian Bale, I have to say, or that was my experience of Christian Bale. That is totally not, not out of character for him to decide that that was the right thing to do and then just fucking do it. So, Anyway, um, folks, if you've been listening, no matter, you know, if you've been listening from episode one, not another origin story, or if you just picked us, picked us up last week as a twihard listening in on, uh, listening to Eric Odom talk about his experiences on the, on the hall of hall or on the stage of hall H at Comic-Con, um, for episode 39 nomads. Thank you so much for, uh, listening in and uh, tweeting at the ladies of Team Jack. Thanks to each and every one of the ladies on Team Jack for helping to keep both of my, both uh, our team underscore Jack and Jack underscore Morrissey Twitter handles uh, organized and a sort of great place for um, movie fans as well as uh, Twihards with a Vengeance to come and uh, have get their opinions uh heard and get their questions answered um to say nothing of the rest of the team jack empire which extends to tumblr facebook with our team jack page uh our website teamjack.com which tracy olson runs where you can see all of that information uh that's been dispensed uh to this to date uh laid out in an organized fashion for you uh and again um our uh our brand new uh teamjackpodcast.blogspot.com where you can find our episode guides which may or may not be migrated over to teamjack.com ultimately um i do agree with you we have an awful lot of facets to the empire we're also on pinterest it's crazy um and a big shout out uh by the way also to uh uh tash palo i don't know whether she wants me to use her real name sasha I'll I'll skip the last name, but uh, thanks to you and uh, KBV and uh, Tracy, and uh, as always to Dawn and uh, Sharon for all the work you guys have done to uh, keep everything organized, and uh, all the women on Team Jack who we had such a great time with during Comic Con week. Um, 
here at the house uh, and down in San Diego. Lots more fun to come. And I don't know, I guess that's it. Uh, Greg Yellen's on Twitter, but never uses it. He's back from London with Bill on tomorrow. So hopefully we'll get him this weekend on episode 41. Hopefully we'll also get Chris Rice this weekend. And uh, I don't know, I'm just really trying to think. I guess I have 10 more episodes and then we'll be we'll do episode 50 and anybody that I leave out of episode 40 we have another chance to thank then thanks to each and every one of you for listening and spreading the word tell your friends and um come join the conversation on twitter or come like us on facebook and uh, uh look for me on facebook as well at jack uh, facebook.com/therealjackmorrissey send me a friend request and i will accept you as my friend and then you can you can see all my content anyway it's all public now uh, having connected my Facebook to my Twitter, but friends are friends. So, uh, thank you friends. And episode 40, who's which Yolen? is titled, who's Yolen? Is it W H O apostrophe S or W H O S E? I never get apostrophe that. I can't S. get that right. Uh, apostrophe I should get that right before apostrophe I start S. screenwriting. Apostrophe S. All right. Um, who's Yolen? Question mark. Yep. Yep. Uh, team Jack. Episode 40, out. of Smodco Internet Radio. Prepare to be smotivated by Smodcast.com's guru of gab, Kevin Smith. Pick up his new book, Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good. Available now in hardcover, enhanced, digital, and audiobook. Learn who inspired Kev and be inspired to follow your dreams. It's like a Tony Robbins seminar on steroids and with a lot more fucking profanity. Neil Gaiman says, I suspect at that Kevin Smith is what all gods and demons aspire to be. And Tim Burton says, I certainly would never read anything written by Kevin Smith. Pick up Tough Shit, Life Advice from a Fat Lazy Slob Who Did Good by Kevin Smith. Available every goddamn where.